This is the Thera Podcast, hosted by Drs. Martin Wesley and David Whittinghill. We are wanting to start a podcast. This is our first podcast. What, what do you want to make out of this, David? Because I'm, I, uh, I have a lot of things I want to bring to this thing. <laughs> well, you know, since the beginning, we've been talking about doing it. So I, I think the primary thing that I wanted to start the podcast to talk about was to cover topics that weren't necessarily covered uh, for students and for counselors that, that weren't necessarily talked about and in, um, in your day-to-day banter back and forth and you, things that we didn't cover in class, those kind of things. So what are some of the things that you have thought about? Well, I, I mean, I like that too. When I think what you said, um, what you just mentioned there, I'm thinking sometimes of business aspects of it, but I don't mind talking about in the podcast, but those are more, you know, I guess it depends on whether we're trying to bring educational purposes or whether we're trying to bring insight to it. But, mm-hmm. you know, in other words, are we going to tell people how to get on, you know, get an NPI number or something like that, which to me, that's not necessarily what you're talking about. I don't think it's mainly talking about, yeah, those personal things that are going on internally and externally, maybe in a in a doctoral program or a counseling program. So that makes yeah. sense to me too. Yeah, I think that's primarily what I was talking about is things that take place during uh, a doctoral program and even uh, as a counselor um, that take place in a in a counselor or a counselor educator's life or experience that aren't well documented or discussed. Yeah. And if they are discussed, it's usually kept quiet or not covered very well. Yeah. I agree. I think the internal aspects of what's going on, what goes on in your own mind, that introspection, I don't think a lot of people are really ready for, as well as just working with the diversity of people. And and when when I think we're talking, when I at least I'm thinking diversity of people, I'm not talking necessarily about just culture and where they come from, came mm-hmm. from, or, or, you know, their, uh, you know, what ethnic food they eat. That's not the issue. The issue. diversity of human beings, of humanity is so vast. And the way we look at the world in so many different ways. And I don't think people are really prepared that our field, I think, is the most difficult field of any field to connect and to do well. Because, you know, rocket science is science. I mean, it's hard science. You literally put things together and, you know, a rocket, for example, and it'll go off the same way every time. Whereas we're talking about human beings and the influences of the world in which we live and the society, which we live, the family that we're in. And, and then of course the internal aspects of their, of their genetic makeup and everything else, my God, we're, we're, uh, we have a very complex field. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not the same thing as making table salt, that's for sure. <laughs> sodium and, and uh, chlorine. Um, 
Yeah. Which, you know, every time it, it, it's the same reaction. But it, I get to your point. I think um, that those factors, even those factors alone, you know, it reminds me of um, Carl Jung and his discussions on the fact that when you when you're working with a client or a student, for that matter, in my opinion, uh, when you're working with humans, you're you're working with such a um, it's almost a sublime experience because of the diversity and um, the specialness of each individual. So it's hard. I don't know if it's hard. It's it's complex, like you said, to to not only make those connections, but also have to measure how you how you know that you're on the right track. In terms of teaching or in terms of doing counseling uh, with that individual. So, unless you have a great degree of trust built between the two individuals or the, all the individuals who are taking part in this yeah. uh, counseling or teaching a, a class, then I, I don't know that it's it is effective because you can't you can't truly evaluate it on the fly like we need to be able to. One thing I don't want our podcast to be is like so many others that I've listened to, which is um, finding negative things about uh, our field and harping about them uh, for hours. I'm, I'm more about I would like for us to talk more about solutions than the problems. I think our problems are well established. Um, <laughs> So you and I can come up with those, and but hopefully we can come up with some solutions that, or if nothing else, help people to start to think about them in a different way. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think sometimes we may have to discuss the problem to find the solution, but I agree we always should have some type of recognition of the solution in mind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think as you're talking, I'm also just reminded not only of counseling, I sometimes we're, we're using that word quite generally, but let's let's even go, you know, one area that I know we also want to talk about is like addiction treatment, you know, mm-hmm. as an example. So that's just one element of counseling. And yet, if I was to ask people what addiction is or how it's treated, I would get, if I asked 10 people, I'd get 10 different answers. <laughs> That's right. You would. There's no doubt and, about it. And these, are, and these would all be experts, supposed experts, at least, you know. Right. And that's troubling. Yeah, it's, exactly. It is. So, yeah. Are we talking about a disease? Are we talking about a disorder? Are we talking about a habit? Are we talking about a natural state of humanity? Um, you know, all of those matter significantly, especially, uh, you know, is this a condition that lasts forever? Is this something that can be arrested and changed? Is this some, you know, all of these kind of questions and how we actually, what whatever we define it as will mean how we're going to treat it. And obviously there's um, politics involved, there's money involved, there's there's uh, religion that's involved. Uh, there is, uh, you know, people's livelihood that's involved. So, so no matter which way we go, we're going to have opposition um, 
in trying to define that, you know, in later podcasts. <laughs> Absolutely. We will have problems with that or pushback. Uh, however, that doesn't preclude us from being able to do so. And we could try that. And, but, you, you know, when you bring it up, <clears throat> when you first brought it up, what is addictions counseling? The first thing that came to my mind is um, the, the work of behavioralists and uh other folks like Skinner back in the 50s and 60s, and even the work of some uh, psychiatrists who touch parts of the brain with electrical stimulus, and uh, they can pretty much get humans to do whatever they want uh, with the right electrode and the right part of the brain, um, or animals, let's say that, I won't say humans, maybe just animals. Can I get one of these? (laughs) These inserts. <laughs> so, um, but really, I mean, there's, there's a plethora of research about it. So all that to say, um, when it comes to uh, addictive behaviors, for, for me, it just seems to be um, a, a very simple uh, rewarded behavior uh, that's been repeated time and timing again ad infinitum if you want um and that gets gets ingrained and i think it becomes a habit is it a disease i'm not quite sure it's a disease i do i do believe that people differ in how they i know they differ in how they uh process different substances or drugs foods doesn't matter what it is uh, not all of us like chocolate. Not all of us like vanilla. It's we're all different that way. Yeah. And so, um, the same thing with uh, different drugs. They affect people differently. And I think yeah, I've always I've always thought it was interesting that we call them drug of choice when then they the same people that say that say that they have no choice. <laughs> that's that's the most hilarious uh, statement. Yeah, to me is uh, the drug of choice because if it is your drug of choice, um, why why are you struggling with it so much? Yeah. So, um, drug of choice in that for it's person the one powerless. that works the best for you or the most powerful, I, I guess. I guess that was the intent in the beginning. It's sort of, it's sort of like the old. Um, there's so much that's been lost from the original research. Like uh, when they talk about uh, codependence now, and everybody is a codependent uh, on something or somebody else nowadays. And all that meant back, back in the day was that you had a, an individual who was obsessed with the drug alcohol, and we called them back in the 30s and 40s alcoholics. And but there were two people that were involved in that that process. They were obsessed with the drug, the person who ingested it, and the person who lived with them, who didn't want them to act out and or miss work or yell and scream and beat them at night or, or lose their ability to control their impulses after they started drinking. So it became known as co-alcoholic. 
And uh, that term, then they started using the term chemical dependence, and then they twisted that into uh, codependence, like co-alcoholic, but it lost all its meaning. Yeah. And it drifted into meaning something totally different. Yeah. I, yeah, I look forward to those those discussions. I'm, I'm sure we're going to have several podcasts on that alone. That'll be fascinating. I, you know, like like there, I just want to say, uh, you know, I want to go into the aspect of what is a disease and and so forth. And does just because you may have a predisposition, or you know, if we want to go there, does that mean it's a disease? And so, anyway, I look forward to that discussion. Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I also want to talk about areas i I mean all of these areas related to a therapeutic culture related to our fields of counseling um but also you know that mixture of religiosity to me i know i'm always interested in that topic i came from an evangelical background my father was a a pastor um and so that's sort of been who i am now i don't I'm not in that camp now, but at the same time, I also see so much about even the counseling field and how it's been mixed with religiosity, and we don't even know it's there. Uh, well, an example there is, I mean, you were talking about way back when with the, in the, uh, in the, uh, you know the the addiction field the addiction counseling and that all came from religion um the the 12 steps is the steps of salvation just for alcoholism i mean that's that's all that is it's a it's a it's a roman's road uh for the uh for the uh alcoholic in a sense and and i don't use labels i just use that because that's uh what they would call themselves what do you mean by roman's road Oh, well, see, you didn't go to Sunday school much, did you? No. <laughs> uh, the Romans Road is just, you know, uh, it's an evangelical, uh, evangelistic uh, method in which you work a person through the book of Romans to the point where they would become a Christian. So often we call it the Romans Road, and it's just going through specific verses to lead a person to Christ, if that's, that's, uh, again, I know I'm using Christianese, but that, that's, uh, what it would mean. <laughs> okay. Well, I look forward to those discussions as well. Because <laughs> okay. I've, always, I've always been, um, curious as to how one brings one to, uh, Christ and all that sort of stuff. And I know that that's a big part. I do know it's a part of our, uh, of our profession, and it has been. Um, I mean, it, we say that it starts the history books. The, the books, our textbooks, all point to counseling starting with vocational counseling, right? And yeah. school counseling. I, I think it's much deeper than that. Oh, definitely. I think we need new books. Um, I really think uh, this idea, yes, of course, our profession, ACA, the American Counseling Association, is coming from a guidance organization in which you have more of that history than I do. But but we cannot deny, I think that we made a, I think that counseling psychology and and this guidance field merged somewhere. And I think then we only recognize in our history books sometimes this element of the guidance part, but we forget 
the whole psychology field in some ways it also matched alongside. And while clinical psychology started going in more of an assessment field, we sort of were stuck with the counseling part, which mixed with the, which, yeah, mixed with the guidance. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, so yeah, the guidance now, so, the, and then with the, with the uh, psychology, and again, all of that's coming, like you say, from a religious roots in many ways from antiquity. Yes. In a, in a lot of ways, the, the whole idea of guidance, um, in my experience um, with schools, and since I come from a background of four generations of school teachers, there's a uh, there's sort of a method to the madness for teaching as well. And it it's uh, schools, as you know, in America are also based, have a, a religious basis also. So yeah. you're not just teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. You're bringing Johnny and Susie to a certain uh, perspective, uh, way of thinking. What about politics i think that is so we all the things we're not supposed to talk about right uh mm-hmm. religion and politics and yet right. i think that's something i think both of us want to focus on to some degree at least because it definitely impacts people and we're in the people business <laughs> I, you know the most interesting part of all this is that you're a republican and i'm a democrat yep you and i are like twins so i don't get that some days. You know, and, you know, I'm not actually, uh, I mean, I have been a Republican most of my life, but I, I, you know, I went independent for the most part. Um, and yeah, I don't even lean in that direction much anymore, but I do on some areas. Um, yeah. The issue is, is I don't even know what a Republican is anymore. I thought it meant some, some fiscal responsibility, um, but that doesn't have, it doesn't seem like that's even on the platform. It only means when the other person's in control, we don't spend money, but when, you know, we're in control, we spend a lot. So I, I, again, there's no principle anymore on the Republican party. So I, I, I'm rather frustrated by that. I hear you. So, yeah, there are political aspects to counseling and the, uh, they go on in these organizations around which our profession is uh, framed, uh, ACA, NBCC, so on and so forth. And, and those, those groups determine a lot of things that have to do with, our, with the, pra- the practice of counseling and um, what we do, uh, and what we teach. And um, I'm, I'm not sure uh, where the input comes for those things anymore. I know that um, they have focus groups and that sort of thing. I'd like for us to have a discussion about that at some time. Because, you know, other professions, psychology included, uh, social work included, uh, research informs practice, but it, in our it, it doesn't seem that way to me as much. And I agree. I don't even know if we know what research is anymore. At times, I know that's I know that's extremely negative. But but yeah. I, uh, I think you know when we 
listen to Science Friday or, you know, on NPR, or we listen to some of the major breakthroughs in science. I hear a lot of words about psychology and certain fields, but I just don't, I don't see our field reaching that pinnacle of, of uh, usefulness and rigor um, that's changing our world. Um, it seems like it's self-serving. Um, and I, I, I don't know the answer on that one yet, but I do feel like we need to reach out, um, out of our, out of the, uh, K-crep, um, uh, incestuous hole sometimes that we've dug for ourselves, if that makes any sense. (laughs) That's a good discussion topic right there. Yes. And, and these institutions that we've created, which which to some degree have, you know, legitimized our profession, right? Like we, we do have a recognized um, body of knowledge now and some, some curriculum guidelines. Well, what troubles me is how we come to conclusions about what should and shouldn't be taught. Uh, yeah. and, and, yeah, that's a discussion I would love to have. Yeah. Well, not only that is where some of this knowledge came from. What journals? I mean, did it really come from our own or or did it sometimes come from, you know, the past and those same people, you know, Ellis, Rogers, Pearls, uh, you know, uh, on and on and on. uh, They would not even be allowed to be a faculty member in our own programs. No, you're right. Not a single one of them. So to me, I, I just feel like we're, uh, we're, I'm afraid we're placing ourselves in a box. And, um, and again, I understand some of that for the protection of our own, you know, our own field. But, uh, you know, licensure and status, and there's many reasons for that. I'm not denying that, but I do feel like we're, we need to be careful that we don't place ourselves to where, uh, uh, truth and knowledge and evidence can't come from many different sources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, no, that's, that'll be, that'll be a really good topic. I think I'm i uh, I'm always fascinated by why people come into this field, you know, the counseling field in general. Um, so, you know, that's also a good place. Maybe we can even start. Um, uh, because there's a lot of, you know, aspects to uh, why we come in. Uh, is it is it for uh, you know altruistic type motives, or sometimes it's for <laughs> I think trying to get counseling vicariously through others. I mean, there's many reasons why many people come in. Anyway, just curious. What what about for you? Why, why did you become a counselor? I that's a really not that it's not the long version, but just a quick <laughs> no. It's a really great topic. We'll get a long one later. No, that's a really great topic, though. But the reasons why people come in, I my my mind goes a thousand miles an hour because I know from my years of teaching, I've seen people come in for a plethora of reasons. Some of them for the most horrible reasons. I I removed two pedophiles out of um, a program in uh, Birmingham. Really? 
got into our program and when I got into their internships um, were found to be uh, doing acting in ways that we don't want our counselors to act around children. So those folks were turned over to the authorities. Uh, so the gatekeeping works. That's the good news. Uh, at any rate, uh, and like you were saying, I, a lot of the folks, I think, are just curious about counseling in general and want to take some classes to find out what it's like. They're looking for answers for the problems in their relationships, uh, problems that um, a family member was born with that they don't understand. Um, right. And uh, an interpersonal relationship problems that they don't understand. So if they can take classes about that, it, it's a lot safer than actually having to go to therapy yourself. Mm -hmm. And plus, then you get you know credit towards being a, a real counselor. So you can talk about it, but you really don't ever have to do anything about it in, in terms of yourself. So, you know, we used to have a requirement where counselors actually had to give counseling, but somehow we did away with that. But at any rate, yeah, it's a it's a great topic. And I see a lot of different reasons for folks getting in. In addition to the things that you mentioned, I also see uh, some people just really like um, to be in control and have power over others. Yeah, I think some people do come in. I think the number one reason, the good reasons, <laughs> are that people, many times they took their parents or whatever, they had different uh, interests in college and they took psychology and they go, oh my God, this is, this is fascinating. They're just fascinated mm -hmm. by human behavior in general. And then, you know, that compassionate heart. I think many times I think people come in for those two reasons. There's a fascination with human behavior. They're the ones that are going to the mall and just sitting there and watching people <laughs> because right. they just like want, you know, the just seeing how they interact and it's fascinating to them. And then second, because they they love to help people. They they get a helper's high from that. And they, you know, if we can make a living out of this too how cool is that so so those are the good reasons but yeah there's a lot of reasons that uh some people come in for that are not necessarily the best and and i think sometimes also it is a time that we can actually get to know ourselves so in the process of getting to know other people and human behavior in general we're also figuring ourselves out in this process so to me that's a great benefit of being yeah. in our field is that we at least have the tools to explore ourselves um to be able to to know thyself if we want to go there um and, and now at the same time i don't know we do that well as well as we should mm -hmm. uh, but you know in other words you know ethics that's a perfect place to go for example is to know thyself and and that becomes the foundation for ethics in some ways to live a good life and trying to find out what that means um but instead we use ethics for a rule book of what to not to do <laughs> right you know as we talk all that goes through my mind is i'm self-disclosing my my internal dialogue now is uh boy that would be a great instrument we need to develop that so yeah and a 
some kind of an empathy scale for incoming students, I yeah. think would be a great idea. But yeah, I think that's a, another reason that folks come into counseling. I know it's the reason that I came is the the empathy factor. Um, I've had it all my life. I don't know why. Um, yeah. I've just been empathetic to others. And um, now, is it empathetic or empathic? I just got to know this because. To me, empathetic sounds pathetic. So, well, empathic, I don't know. I sometimes that sounds supernatural to me, but either way, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I'll kid you on that one because that one's always a pet peeve. <laughs> There's two words that drive me nuts it's em- empathetic, um, yes, and doctoral. Doctoral, um, yeah, doctoral. I just, uh, you know, I'm in my doctoral program, I'm going. How do you spell that? Please just just <laughs> me how you spell that. But anyways, yeah, uh, those are those are two that I just I just get a kick out of. Now, at the same time, I'm in the minority when it comes to em- empathic um, because a lot most people do use em- empathetic. But I, I just I cringe every time I hear it. So anyway, anyway, you'll hear me on that one later. <laughs> no problem, man. <laughs> No, I no, I agree. I think most people that have come into our field either were empathic uh, for their whole lives, mm-hmm. uh, and their their parents noticed it, and you know they're sensitive kids or whatever, um, all along, or they developed it after experiencing life to some degree. So sometimes they may not have been necessarily there uh, until they went to college and they had a baby and they. And they, you know, had a rough patch or something. And then all of a sudden their eyes are opened. Um, and maybe it's always been there. I don't know. But, but you know, that true self sort of some, seems to come out and they want to change their life direction. You know? That's a really interesting observation. I think mine, uh, just not that mine can be generalized out to the rest of the world, but I think mine developed is when my brother died, I was... Uh, I was like 12 years old. He was nine. And uh, at that particular time, it, uh, it it opened my eyes to the fact that not only, yeah, I was aware of, you know, my grandparents had died and those kind of things that, that people died. But uh, I never realized how, how much life was a struggle for people. Uh, and my role in the life was uh, to help people understand that it was short and uh, they didn't necessarily have to feel like um, depressed, anxious, whatever. They could actually enjoy and have some some peace along the way. You didn't have to work 24 hours a day, so on and so forth. But that's yeah. what I was struck with when I was a kid because I watched all the, the adults around me just fall apart. Um, and my, and my, when my brother was uh, dying, that was his, he kept it, he had this mantra that when anybody would enter the room um, up until he couldn't speak anymore was everything's going to be fine. Really? And, I don't know why you're worried. Everything's fine. So uh, it wasn't fine for me as a kid, but I understood it afterwards. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. No, it's interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. 
I'm curious about that. Yeah, that, that might be interesting. And maybe we can get even other people to come and join us and talk about how what shaped them. That would be a great you know, other direction. Yeah. I look back and I didn't have any events like that. But again, I was sort of the I was always still the helper and was always, you know, I was the oldest and felt like I had that responsibility. Uh, and yeah, sort of typical. That sense. You feel like Adler was on spot with that stuff. That For me, it was. Now I don't. I, I don't see that in other generations. Uh, and you know, with like my own kids and all, I don't think it. I think some of it fits and some of it doesn't. Sometimes I think we make it fit. Uh, but for me, I think it did fit um, quite well. Yeah, I looked at that treehouse. I I'd agree. <laughs> Yeah. So I, anyways, those are some things I want to explore. Uh, and again, to me, I'm just fascinated with uh, maybe we can have certain segments and, you know, obviously we'll stick to certain topics as we go along, but I, I would love to, you know, if something, uh, you know, is going on on a regular basis that we sort of want to always mention, maybe we can have little segments to it or something and have a little jingle with it. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like uh, Letterman's. 10 yeah, top 10 list or something. Yeah. <laughs> I would like that too. Yeah. Something. I don't not necessarily want to have Johnny Carson's Karnak. I don't, we don't have to make any predictions. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyways, um, till next time, I guess. Yeah, I think right. so. Sounds good. Yeah. You have a good one.